We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. It is November 22nd, 2021. Jonathan Osborne here. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, it is almost Thanksgiving. Are we ready? Mm. I'm I'm ready. I uh, I'm ready to eat. Gonna stay in Nebraska. Gonna you know hang out with a lot of our friends. Thankfully, this year, unlike last year, a lot of our friends are hanging around, um, and so we'll be able to just do Thanksgiving with all of them. There'll probably be like eight of us or something like that. So uh, looking forward to it. Well, I hope you guys are starving yourselves now, getting yourself mm. ready for Thanksgiving. Like this is my Super Bowl. Like I wait all year for this. <laughs> and uh yeah, I am I'm ready to go. I'll be having a nice little breakfast warm up the morning of Thanksgiving and then three, four o'clock, you know, that day I'll I'll be ready to do some damage um at the buffet table. So uh really quick we want to shout out our patrons. Shout out to Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Keith Garcia, Zico, Carson Tulo, Nathan Lynn, Ellis, Jonathan Borges, Norm L, Magic Player History, Giulio. I know you were at the Knicks game, my boy. And then Joseph Chubb, thank you guys so much for your support. Last week we had our first ever uh, Hall of Fame patron Zoom exclusive Q and A. That was a lot of fun. Um, if you guys yeah. want to join the next one, be sure to um, you know subscribe at the Hall of Fame tier on the Patreon. You can find us at Patreon.com/slash The Six Man Show. Luke, let's jump into the weekly state of the Magic. Your Orlando Magic went one and three this week with a one twenty nine to one eleven blowout loss in Atlanta to the Hawks. A 104-98 win in Magic Square Garden against the Knicks. A 115-113 loss to the Brooklyn refs, I mean Nets. And a very strange 117-108 loss to the Bucks in Milwaukee. They currently sit with a record of 4-13, the worst record in the Eastern Conference. The third worst record in the NBA. Currently 27th in offensive rating, 28th in defensive rating, 27th in overall net rating. Luke, as of tonight, Sunday evening, Tankathon no longer has the magic with the toughest toughest remaining wow. strength of schedule in the NBA. They now have the second toughest remaining strength of schedule just following the Knicks. 
Uh, Luke, today, just a little bit of magic news here. Uh, Michael Carter-Williams, who is, is partner partnering with a company called Players Only NFTs, on their Discord channel, he was a part of a Q&A and was asked about Jonathan Isaac. And he said, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, the expectation is that uh, Jonathan will be back by January, sometime in January. So we'll keep an eye out for that. Luke, I don't know if you remember this from last week when we were talking about the Orlando Magic theme song returning. We were talking about the wizard and I just kind of off the cuff did a little impression of the wizard Mm, uh, where he says, um, in order for the magic to succeed, you have to believe in the magic. (laughs) And our buddy uh, Garrett from uh, Orlando Magic UK really, really appreciated that so much that he asked me to ask you to do your own wizard impression right here and right now. This is totally unprompted. Did not tell Luke about this. This is terrible is what this is. <laughs> and you're not going to catch me doing that, that wizard phrase at all. So I, I do apologize. I'm, I'm going to be a party pooper. I'm not doing that. All right. You, and, well, and guys, you can blame this on Jonathan, okay? Because if Jonathan might have prepped me a little bit for this, I might have done it. But now you'll never know. All you have to say is in order for I, the magic to succeed, you have to believe in the magic. I, I, I'm not doing it. Just embarrass yourself it. for two no. seconds. Humor no, me. I'm terrible no. at it. I, I don't like charades. I don't like. Yeah, I I can't do it. All right, sorry. maybe maybe Garrett, I'm, I'm I'm sorry, I failed you. Maybe next. Did you guys week. discuss this on your own personal DMs? We did. Yes, we certainly did. That is just rude. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. All right, <laughs> we'll rude. we'll talk about this the next off. time that we're on Orlando Magic UK with the guys. Sure. Guys, coming up, um, we're gonna start talking about the the previous games. Uh, this past week for the Magic. Uh, but we have a special guest on the show uh, this week to talk about the Knicks. Uh, Joel Moran from the Pick Aside podcast on YouTube. They're also on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Um, he hosts that show with River, Riv Brown, and Andrew Velez, and they rotate you know, some other guests in the show. Really, really um, great show. If you guys haven't checked them out, go and do so. But he joins us a little bit later in the show. We talk about a bunch of things. We talk about the Magic Knicks game uh, from Wednesday. Um, but we all, he, you know, we talk about the young core of the Magic. He talks about the Knicks a little bit as well. So I uh, really appreciate him, uh, you know, being on the show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Luke, let's talk game one. Monday at the Hawks, it feels like it was forever ago, uh, but this mm-hmm. was Jalen Suggs' first missed game of the year after spraining his right ankle last Saturday versus the Wizards. Gary Harris, we will talk about him later in the podcast, uh, but he started in Jalen's place. 
Uh, Atlanta came into the game on the second night of a back-to-back. They beat, beat Milwaukee the previous night. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. got off to a great start in this one in his hometown. Ten first-quarter points, shooting 4 of 4. Orlando led by one after the first quarter, but they did struggle to defend without fouling. They let the Hawks shoot 13 second-quarter free throws, including nine for one John Collins. They found themselves down four at the half. Magic let Atlanta shoot 60% from the field in the third quarter. They entered the fourth down by nine. The Hawks shoot 18 fourth-quarter free throws. They shoot 58% from the floor in the fourth quarter and run away with this game. Magic lose 129-111. to 111. In this game, Luke, John Collins shot as many free throws as the Magic did the entire game with 14. Uh, looking at the, the box score, Wendell Carter, 15 points, 9 rebounds. Franz Wagner, 19 points, 5 rebounds. Cole Anthony, another high-scoring game for him, 29 points, 11 rebounds. For the Hawks, we talked about John Collins, 23 points, 3 rebounds, but 14 free throws, Luke. Um, what did you think about the loss to the Hawks? Well, it well it, it sucked first of all. I mean, to, <laughs> to to lose to lose by eighteen, and I mean the the thing that really sucked was like you play a great like a manageable right first quarter. Uh, the biggest thing which we talk about later with Joel for me is just playing competitive in the quarter. Losing by one or two or winning the quarter by one or two is completely fine with me because I am so used to what the Hawks did to us in the fourth quarter and outscored us by nine. Um, you know, those first three quarters, what the Magic are, you know, at, at that point down like just, I think like five or six. What was it going into the fourth? Going into um, the fourth quarter, the Magic uh, were down by nine. Nine. So, and then you go on to give up, you know, the 36 points in the fourth quarter. Ultimately, Jonathan, you go into this game thinking, you know, the Magic are going to be able to maybe compete solely for the fact that defensively on the perimeter, the Hawks stink. They 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 are terrible. But like you said, first game without Jalen Suggs, like you've also said, objectively the best defender on the team. And this happens. I mean, you you give up 129 points to the Hawks who don't get me wrong have have high firepower and they're you know constantly scoring in the hundreds but they're also usually giving up a high amount and if you're giving up 129 you don't give yourself a good chance that final quarter really just couldn't put anything together there at the end losing that quarter by 9 and you know I, I think that everything was respectable in terms of the percentages that the magic shot um they shot 10 more shots than the hawks did they shot 95 shots and shot 45% from the field. The biggest thing was Hawks just outdid them on efficiency. Magic shot a respectable 45% from the field. Hawks shoot 55%. The Magic shoot a respectable 37% from three, but the Hawks shoot 46, almost 47%, going 14 of 30, Jonathan. The, there's no excuse for, for like, I get it. Sometimes teams are just hot. There was no excuse for the Hawks to just do that. What they did to the Magic that night. I get you didn't have Jalen Suggs defending the perimeter, which did prove to hurt the team. Uh, also, the Hawks just got to the free throw line. <laughs> the Hawks shot 32 free throws to the Magic's 14. And I mean, you're never going to win a game when the team can when the free throw differential is that high. You're just not going to. And we'll talk about kind of later. Uh, we'll highlight a player that I think needs to get to the free throw line more. And that's going to be kind of the next jump that he takes. 
but I, I I think that truly like that that really did hurt the Magic not being able to get to the free throw line. All right, Luke, let's get to our conversation with Joel Moran from the Pick Aside podcast um, about the Magic uh, putting the beat down on the Knicks. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and talk about Wednesday's game at what we call Magic Square Garden against the <laughs> Knicks. And we have a very special guest. We have Joel Moran from the Pick Aside podcast. Joel, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing great. You know, outside of the Knicks not being so good, we're currently losing to, ch- ch- to Chicago. Uh, I've been good because I've kind of not been too worried about basketball. I'm in fo- I'm in the midst of football season right now. We're in the middle of the year. This is always the best time of the year. Every game is so crucial. Magic Square Garden, that, that's a good name. That's a good name. <laughs> Amway, Amway North, whatever you want to call it. But uh, I mean, but but Joel, you you know, you cared enough to to shoot us a tweet and say, let me come on the show. Let, let's talk. Um, and and so obviously that's what we wanted to have you on to do. Three meetings so far against uh, the Knicks, the Magic have had one at Amway, two at MSG, um, and you know, one one didn't go the Magic's way, but the other two absolutely did. I mean, what? So what were you kind of what were you thinking, Joel, as far as uh, you know, as far as the games and and kind of what your thoughts are? I guess even pertaining to those well, games. Well, before before we get there, fellas, um, I just want to give uh, you know, Joel a little bit more of a of an intro here. So the Pick Aside podcast, if you guys aren't aware, um, mostly they're on YouTube, but I know they're on a lot of uh, you know, podcast platforms as well. They talk NBA, they talk NFL. Joel hosts that multiple times a week with River. Riv Brown and Andrew Velez and they have you know a bunch of other rotational guests so if you guys haven't checked them out um definitely go ahead and do so before we get into Joel's rant I don't really know what he's going to say I just <laughs> want to give you guys some some background information um on this game from the from the Magic perspective so the Magic came into this one losers of three in a row Jalen Suggs returned to the starting lineup after missing one game with the right ankle sprain Wendell with another hot start in this one First quarter, four of five from the floor, nine points. But the Magic combined one of 10 from three in the first quarter, eight of 25, 32% in the first quarter, uh, down two points after one. They were able to hold the Knicks to uh, 38% in the first quarter. Terrence Ross, big second quarter for the Magic, hitting threes, uh, three threes, adding 11 points. Magic lucky enough to be up one at the half after that rough start. Uh, And the Magic hold the Knicks to 26% shooting in the third quarter building on their lead to be up five heading into the fourth and the fourth quarter. Joel, we'll get to you in just a second here. A really back and forth. Knicks taking a six point lead 92 to 86 with 545 to go on an Alex Burks three, his fourth of the quarter. He scored 13 in the quarter, 15 in the game down four. Jalen Suggs hits a three with 448 to go to pull Orlando within one. The next Knicks possession Robinson gets a putback. The Magic come down. Cole misses a three. Knicks come back down the other way. Alec Burks misses a three. Mitchell Robinson gets the rebound, falls, hurts his hip, I believe it was. He left the game. Uh, Tibbs subs in Julius Randle with 3.42 to go in the game. Uh, This is where I thought the game really changed. Robinson was killing the Magic on the offensive glass the entire night, finished the night with eight offensive rebounds. And then from that point, 342, the Magic closed the game on a 13-4 run, included a raw steal and a breakaway dunk to put the Magic up one, which I was in the middle of tweeting, why is Terrence in this game? Suggs (laughs) should be in this game. Immediately steals it and and dunks the ball, put us up one. 
And then a Franz Wagner and one poster on Emmanuel Quickly and R.J. Barrett. His free throw puts the Magic up two. And then a runner off the glass from Cole Anthony to put the Magic up four with 109 to go. And then with 32 seconds left, the highlight of his career so far, Jalen Suggs picks off a Derrick Rose pass, uh, caps the play off with an alley-oop lob to Wendell. He dunks the ball to put the Magic up six with 29 seconds left. And then Magic just basically free throws the rest of the way. Magic win 104 to 98. And again, Magic Square Garden. And then almost immediately, um, Joel tweets and is like, I got to come on the show to talk <laughs> Magic Knicks. Joel, what's going through your head? Well, for one, I'm very happy for you guys. Despite the Knicks winning, I'm happy that we were the reason why you guys have two more wins than you should. You know, these are going to be very rare for you throughout the season. And I'm glad you guys can enjoy some moment, some good moments, because every single time I log on to Instagram, six man show and Orlando Magic game is finished. All I see is Jonathan's face. and He's like another tough one. Another tough one. Uh, I told you guys, be patient with this team. It's growing pains. So I'm glad we're the catalyst for the reason why you guys have uh, uh, two more wins. But frankly, I I didn't watch this game live. I watched it after. And my first thought when I looked at the box score, first thought popped popped into my head. How did we lose to the Magic? How did we lose to the Magic? I had that same thought the first time we lost. And the first time Cole Anthony had a great game, I just don't know why the Knicks are very competitive against good teams, but we don't break the brakes off of uh, teams that aren't so good. Evan Fournier ha- has been a disappointment. He was a disappointment in that game. Maybe, you know, he has so much love for Orlando that he just said, <laughs> I'm going to play awful. So they get the win. But I'm starting to think that, you know, he had a lot of success in Orlando. And I'm starting to think that it's because he is more of a rhythm player. He needs to have the ball in his hands for him to get going. And in the Knicks offense with Kemba, RJ, Julius, sometimes he's relegated to a spot of role. And when that's happening, he never gets into his flow of the game and he has bad nights. RJ Barrett led the Knicks in scoring, but quite honestly, he shot really bad. You guys were living with the jump shots that he took. Julius Randle was awful. We won this game because of our bench. I mean, we lost this game. We were only in this game because of our bench. With Derrick Rose and quickly, Alec Burks was huge. Obi Toppin hit some threes and was finishing at the basket. And that's been the story, just the storyline the entire year. Our bench is way better than our starters. I want to give a shout out to Jalen Suggs. Uh, Jalen Suggs had a good game. You know, game by game, his field goal percentage isn't getting better, but his three-point percentage most definitely is. He just has to start finishing at the basket a bit more. And Jalen Suggs, I like them a lot. And I know I called backlash because I said maybe he could be the next Jalen Suggs. And I know oh, you, you guys, Alfred Payton. I, oh, Alfred Payton, yeah. And you guys, I know you guys probably saw that tweet like <laughs> memories are all. <laughs> let awful let me with let me tell let me tell Luke here because Luke doesn't know what happened. So. Joel tweeted at me one day, what were your thoughts on Alfred Payton when he was drafted by the Magic? <laughs> Did you guys ever think that he could be like the point guard of the future? I'm like, why the hell is Joel asking me about Alfred Payton? <laughs> Three days later, I see there's a, a, a tweet of one of their videos up about him claiming that Jalen Suggs might be the next Alfred Payton. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like, what's funny is that I asked you that question because, you know, I'm always curious to see why 
certain careers don't pan out. And one day I was randomly thinking about Alfred Payton, like, wow, he was a high draft pick. And I remember watching that draft. He was called Gary Payton. And I was just, that was his comparison. And I'm like, I wonder if Magic fans ever thought that this guy was good. Because, you know, in, in players' rookie seasons, there's a lot of people that tend to think, oh, he, he you know, he can be something. And Jalen Suggs wasn't playing his best basketball to start off the season. He was very inefficient. And that thought that I had about maybe him being the next Alfred Payton came out of the blue because it's like this isn't the first time Orlando has drafted a point guard and they have not been what they had hoped for. You know, I never said I thought that was going to be Jalen Suggs, but I know some Magic fans still have some uh, PTSD over point guard draft bust and watching Jalen Suggs struggle can't be a good sign for you guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'll say first, I want to, I want to first um, real quick, make a comment about Fournier. Like you said, I think your, your point is correct about how he's a rhythm player, right? I mean, the game that, that, that Evan Fournier became all of a sudden New York's favorite was in that double OT win against Boston when he scored 30 plus, but guess what? He was the second leader in minutes. He had played 44 minutes in double overtime only behind Julius Randle um, and went off. I mean, he he played a, a hero role for the Knicks that night. And I do think that surprisingly where like I became most frustrated with him was in the clutch moments of the game where I feel like he made a dumb turnover or he just did something, you know, stupid, right? That, that you think like he's a better player than that. That game against the Celtics, obviously Knicks fans just want to bottle that up and, and replay that game for the rest of their lives because Evan Fournier, that's who they, they all of a sudden had like a standard for Fournier and, and stand I mean, the standard has been high for him. Don't get me wrong. He has been struggling, but I do agree. Like, I, I think that, you know, his minutes needs to be high for him to be get, to get going because he is that rhythm player. Um, and there, that's no secret. I, I think Fournier is, is very tough minded. I think mentally, I think he is very tough. Um, but, but man, I, I, it stinks that that he had been struggling after having like just the ridiculous takeoff he had from the beginning. Jonathan, do you have any any comments about that before we respond to kind of Suggs game against the Knicks and what that kind of got going for him? Well, I don't follow the Knicks all that closely, but uh, from what I've read is like Evan you know, recently has like really fallen out of the rotation in terms of like fourth quarter, like, like 20 he's been minutes benched. against the Magic last game. Yeah, you know, he, he's been benching a lot of fourth quarters, I believe, including the entire fourth quarter of, of the game that we're talking about. So um, I think there definitely is a lot to Joel's point that he's like a rhythm player. Um, but I, you pay the guy, you know, whatever it is, $17 million a year, you've got to find out a way if you're tips to put him in the best positions it, to be able to succeed. And, and I think that's crazy to me. And I, and because Tibbs is known to be that guy that he's going to run his good players into the ground with the minutes he gives them. And so to see him kind of go away from his philosophy, he really doesn't like Fournier. I think like you, he can't. I mean, because of the just the minutes that he's been lacking. Like I said, against Orlando, I think he played 21 minutes. And for a guy you're paying 17 mil, like, are you already writing him off? And at one point, do you put this on on Tibbs, too, to not know what kind of what his player needs to get him going? Is he still learning Fournier? But but yeah, I, I think that's really all I have to say about it um, as far as Fournier goes. Um, I mean, the, he, he can be frustrating. That's no secret. Everybody watch, listening to this and watching this right now is going, yep, yep, I, I've seen that one before. Like the Evan that. Fournier experience. Yeah, it's very high and it's very low, especially in pivotal moments. But 
guess you can't have those low moments if you just don't even get put on the court. Luke, give give Joel um like your your feelings about Jalen Sugg so far. Um, my biggest thing with him is is the same thing that it needs to be. I think with like young guys, right? I I know that I probably don't cut him enough. You know, Slack Jonathan will say I don't. You know, give him a long enough leash or whatever it is. Unfortunately, because Suggs' usage is so high, he's having a hard time knowing what the right play is to make sometimes he'll 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 go just headstrong off of pick and roll and not even look anywhere else before trying to finish he's kind of struggled there on that end um in some of those times where he just doesn't know what he's gonna do um he, he throws the ball away to, to and makes a dumb play and it essentially has led to him right now averaging uh 3.5 assists and 3.3 turnovers a game i mean it's a turnover problem it's something that a lot of rookies have but it is so frustrating to watch your rookie who went fifth struggle like this while your eighth pick Franz Wagner, who nobody thought would be what he is right now is thriving. And I get that it is because solely because of like the usage rate of Jalen Suggs. But at the same time, a lot of this stuff is really frustrating, man. I mean, you look, he's shooting almost 13 shots a game, but he's shooting 32.7% from the field, uh, 26.2 from three. I'm glad to see it's kind of improving here as far as his three point game. Uh, but I, I think his finishing needs to improve a little bit there. So there's some finishes that he has, and I'm like, what just happened? He, he made an incredible play. But, but yeah, Jalen Suggs is going through the, the epitome of, like, growing pains for a young player on a bad team. Yeah, and I think you got it right down, Pac, right there about the usage rate. Some, some players, they're not ready to, to have the ball in their hands that much right out of college. You know, Jalen Suggs, I think, was it was a bit different because he was a point guard in college. And part of the reason why he got so much hype was because he played for Gonzaga, who had the one of the best teams. I mean, they made the championship game. He lost. And in that game, he played OK. And then he had, he had a buzzer beater shot against UCLA. And you got Charles Barkley going on and saying, I would take him with the first overall pick. So the expectations for Jalen Suggs were, were very high. And on draft day, the entire fan base was excited about Suggs. Wagner gets picked. Not so excited about that pick. Uh, and Wagner, to me, out of college, I thought he was going to be a perfect role player. I don't know what his ceiling is. Yeah. I know the other day, uh, Jonathan said I, he didn't he want to get too ahead of himself, but he said this guy is like Hito Turkoglu. Mm -hmm. And I think that's not a bad comparison given Franz's skill set. I think he's going to be a solid pro for a lot of years. I just don't know what his ceiling is. Yeah. Jalen Suggs out of college. I thought he was to me, Eric Bledsoe, like pro comparison, uh, a point guard who thrives in transition, can play in the pick and roll, is a streaky shooter, can finish, is very athletic, but you're just not too sure about his decision making. And also Eric Bledsoe, he was first team or second team all defense one year. So he was an elite on ball perimeter defender. Jalen Suggs, he's not shooting well, but he's passing well for the most part. He's rebounding well. Uh, he's playing defense, and that's all you can really ask for. At least he's doing the other things, and he's not totally mm -hmm. not useful on the court because he definitely has his spot on the court. Yeah, and I and Jonathan, I'll, I'll you know throw it to you, obviously, but um, yeah, I think that. My prediction for Suggs is that right now he's struggling, like I said, and I think wholeheartedly like it is a lot to do with his usage rate and him not being ready for that much usage. 
but he's got a lot on his shoulders. That's a big burden being the number fifth, the, the fifth pick on a, on a team that's been just looking for their way for years now. Um, but I think that once Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz make their return, I think we're going to see his turnovers go down. His usage will go down, but in turn, I think he'll learn more valuable lessons and, and be able to correct, finally correct the things that he has so much struggled with because you know, the thing with the NBA is man, you're playing like every other night. There's not really a practice. Any spare moment you get, you're doing a, maybe a walkthrough at, at the most. And the other times you're just relaxing because your body is just taking a beating for that many months out of the year. I, I think that, that Jalen, it's very hard to learn as a rookie. It's They just take reps and games. They're going to publicly mess up a lot in those games. Uh, it's a, a hard place to be in. But, yeah, I think once those guys return here, hopefully in the next few months, um, that, that Suggs will kind of, you know, be become show fl- more flashes of, of what magic fans hope he can be but i mean for me with Jalen, yeah and you know like joel said like every post game instagram video i'm saying like be patient like we've got to wait with these guys i'm constantly fighting with people on twitter about Jalen, <laughs> about you know the turnovers or about the shooting or whatever like objectively he's been like the best defender the magic have like this entire season so far i'm not worried about him whatsoever like we saw him very much win the game for the magic with that steal from Derrick Rose. And then, you know, the pretty risky lob to Wendell, but I mean, it's only dumb if it doesn't work, you know? So um, I, I'm very confident, you know, we, we looking at the indicators just in, in terms of like finishing at the rim, like people are accusing him of having problems finishing at the rim, but it's been very similar to Cole Anthony's percentage. Now Cole's done a better job finishing at the rim last few games. So he's gotten a few points up on Jalen, but they're just separated by two you know, percentage field goal, you know, finishing in the restricted area. Uh, we, we starting to see the three point, you know, um, start to fall for him. The last couple of games started to four of four the other night against the nets. You were at that game. So, um, I mean like the free throw percentage is there. The stroke looks good. It always looks like it's going to go in when he lets it go. And I can't tell you how many, you know, either short, long or in and out of the kids missed this year. It's not like it's all over the place. So really promising things with the, with the shooting form. I think it's just a matter of confidence. Like we saw him get that confidence that game against Brooklyn and then like doesn't see the ball for like the next 11 minutes that he was in the game or doesn't get yeah. another, you know, field goal attempt. So it's coming with, with Jalen. We, we said this for weeks with Franz in the summer league and in the preseason, like he's doing the right things. He's in the right spots. It's just going to take some time. Point guard Luke, we've talked about this. It has a higher learning curve than any other position in the league. He's got the ball in his hands all the time. He is making, you know, some errant decisions, you know, just trying to force things and make plays. And as the game continues to slow down more and more for him, I think we're, we're going to see Jalen improve quite a bit. The funny thing to me is, you know, we had that fan reaction video of us at the draft. And yeah, we didn't really want Scotty Barnes. We weren't that excited about, you know, another forward when we thought we were sold with Chuma and, and Jonathan Isaac and everything like that. So all of a sudden when we had a guard that we thought could really change things for us, of course, we're excited. But it's like the last week that video has been out for like three and a half months. And within the last week, Raptors fans are finding it and just commenting on it nonstop. Like we do not care <laughs> about toxic. Scotty Barnes. He, they are toxic. You're hundred percent right. We're yeah. very happy that your pick worked out. You picked ahead of us. So I hope it does, but leave us the hell alone. we like Jalen Suggs. You can like Scotty Barnes. It's fine. It's like the two are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. It, it sounds like a Raptors fans. I can't tell you how many times we put a video up about the Raptors 
Like, let's say, you know, we reacted to Scotty Barnes getting drafted. We thought it was a good pick. All they comment on it. We love your show. You're doing the best. (laughs) Raptors love you. Then as soon as we make our playoff predictions and we don't have the Raptors in the playoffs, oh, they're going to prove you wrong. You'll see. <laughs> yo, that if we do, if we do a Jalen Suggs video, should have taken Scotty, though. Yeah, see, so I agree. Toxic. And, and it's weird because Raptors fans, they do have that uh, tendency where some of them can really be edgy, but a lot of them are cool, too. You know, you always got that balance. But it's funny because you're right. They picked in front of you. And the fact that they are they are laughing at the pick you made in which like you it's not like the magic had a pick between Scotty and, and Suggs. You know, yeah. that's different. It's literally it's not like a uh, a Timberwolves and Golden State situation where they picked Rubio and Johnny Flynn over Steph Curry. It's right. not that you guys had the fifth pick and Jalen Suggs was <laughs> the best available con- consensusly on the board. You yeah. had no say and if you're going to take scotty and they're finding that video and commenting on it, it's pretty funny just toxic that's that's a bit be- honestly the best way to put it and it's just like <laughs> what were we supposed to do like kevin and i are in the video plenty of people left like just got up and left right after the wagner pick and we were like oh we didn't really expect that but I, as soon as it had set, like the pick was made i said we need a forward mm-hmm. and i mean like franz looked really good against the knicks he's had like a couple of like really great performances and um, like I think Riv really handles the pick aside account mostly from Twitter and you yeah, usually he operate from yours. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like I was tweeting at him like, yo, like, yo, thanks for that eighth pick. Like, look at Franz. He's like, oh, I have to I have to check him out. Have you guys talked about Franz at all? Like you and Riv, like what, what, how do you guys feel about Franz so far? I think we've talked about Franz maybe once or twice on this show. And we talked about uh, Cole Anthony's emergence with you guys. Right. And we talked about Franz briefly. Uh, what I can say is that Riv and I pre-draft, we kind of had a bit of the same opinions on a lot of the prospects, especially the top ones. We thought Cade was amazing. We thought Evan Mobley was amazing and, and could have been the first prospect. Like we were extremely high on Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. We thought he was good. We didn't know if he was superstar good, but we thought he was good with Franz. We kind of just saw a role player, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't see star potential out of him. But we definitely saw a Swiss Army knife player who can play anywhere from a three to four. If he gets more strength, small ball five is definitely in his future. He can handle the ball. He can pass a little bit. And he was under a great coach in Jawan Howard at Michigan. So he knows how to play the game. One thing is for sure, he's far more advanced than his brother, Mo. But I also think that it has to do with the position Franz plays because Mo is a bit of a slow four slash five and that's why five yeah Yeah. exactly and that's why he hasn't really been able to find his footing but in college he was amazing Franz is a bit more athletic but I think even Mo and Franz they have similar skill sets it's just athletically Franz translates to the NBA far better than Mo yeah yeah and they and they're both gonna they're both I mean, clearly they both had incredible dunks already this year. Um, you know, obviously Franz has had his Mo had one uh, recently here. Yeah. Franz is, is great. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, Jonathan, I want to kind of, there, there's one thing going back real quick um, before we wrap up to kind of the Knicks and the magic, the, the way that it panned out really did follow the pattern for me. There's become a pattern with this magic team. If they, if they lose as you know, this week they played, you know, the nets really well without KD obviously um, because they got off to a really great start in that first quarter. 
They had a great first quarter against the Knicks. The first time that we, you know, played at Amway, uh, first quarter, 36 to 16 games over, right? Game games over. Now, what I kind of talking about those next two games against the Knicks, what, what I really love about this team is how gritty that they are. Like they know that they, they, they don't have the most talented team, but they know that like we each can show flashes. We can play defense and, and we need to kind of get there. Their defensive numbers in terms of the defensive rating, things like that, where they are in the league. I don't think it's a fair comparison to kind of really how good the defense is. Um, the, the, the really bad thing is that like when the magic get, you know, start to not hit shots or whatever, their defense falls off as any young team, right. As they're just learning, but against the Knicks in those next two games, first quarter, Knicks win 29, 27 in the first quarter magic end up winning that game. 110 to one Oh four next game. Uh, the Knicks win the first quarter by two, 23 to 21 magic won 104 to 98 when both games by six points, they're trailing both games in the first quarter by two. If this team can stay in the game in the first quarter, then they have confidence, right? They're, they're all young guys that require confidence. And I think if they can be close at the end of the first quarter, their confidence is at a new level. Like, Oh, we're keeping up with the Knicks at MSG. Like we were, this is a good team. This is a, uh, a great team last year and they finished high and, you know, um, they're a competitive team. This is a team we want to compete with. MSG is fun to play in. I think that the Knicks do suffer sometimes these, you know, home losses like they do against the magic. They suffer because the team that's traveling to play them prioritizes that game so high because it's at MSG. Mo Bamba's from the New York area. Cole Anthony from the New York area. We saw what Cole did the first time with his mom courtside on her birthday. Like there's just so many storylines with, with MSG and the Knicks and feel good things about our players going to play there. Unfortunate for the Knicks are on the receiving end of it, but, but, but they really do come to play in at MSG. I mean, they laid down at Amway and got destroyed in that first quarter, which led to the blowout. So I think that there really is that first quarter against the Knicks that has won or lost them the game, obviously. Um, and, and as long as they keep it tight, man, that, that young team loves, loves to play in New York. Well, we joke about like Amway North. Kevin, and I can attest like the opening night for the magic at home was very much MSG South. <laughs> like it was packed with Knicks fans. It was the most <laughs> disgusting crowd I've ever been a part of at Amway. It was just, it, I cannot stress how not fun it was. <laughs> Literally. Like we yeah. joke, but it really was MSG South that night. It was bad. Knicks yeah. fans, Knicks fans, they, they love to travel, man. And as much as you're talking about the magic and getting off to a fast start and that being the reason why they can stay in these games and, and hopefully win them with the Knicks, I think it's just closing out games. We were up six, like with under four minutes mm -hmm. left. Yep. And that's been a common occurrence. We should have blew out Chicago. They have a chance in DeMar. They lose the Bulls lose the game off of DeMar last second shot, but they had a chance opening night versus Boston. I mean, Kemba, almost sold that game and then versus the magic our inability to just not close out games is I, I think something that has really been detrimental to us Julius Randle like my expectations for the Knicks was based off of Julius Randle playing at an all NBA level he averaged 24 10 and 6 last year he has not even played at an all-star level so with him doing that expectations for the Knicks go down 
I'm expecting an RJ breakout or I was, but then I changed my mind and I was like, I just don't see it because they're not even really using him on offense. And I don't know, just personally for me, as much as I wanted to buy into RJ and love his game and hope that he can be the Knicks savior. When I watch him play, I just don't see that type of player. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. When you guys watch RJ Barrett play, if you see anything like signs of a brilliance, all-star caliber level player. I can say that the player on the Knicks that I most fear is Derrick Rose. Yep. It's right now, like last year it was Julius Randle. This year, like in the three games that we've played, it, it's Derrick Rose. It's the guy that I'm I'm most afraid of. And then and then, you know, Julius honestly, after Derrick, it's Mitchell Robinson. Like Mitchell Robinson is a is a monster. Like when he is playing well, he's he's a monster blocking shots, eight offensive rebounds in this game. Like I'm convinced if Mitchell Robinson does not go out of the game at that point, or if he's not subbed out with, you know, three and change left, I really think the Knicks win that game because the magic had no answer whatsoever for him on the offensive glass. But I do see flashes with RJ, but he, like, I just haven't seen it enough to be like, Oh man, like RJ's got the ball, you know, 15 seconds left. He's going to ISO and go get you a bucket. I don't see that yet. I see a lot of potential, and, you know, he's still young. You know, this is, you know, what is third, fourth year third. in the league now? Third. Um, yeah, so the potential is definitely there. I'm not ready to write him off. But right now, I, I don't see him as, like, this elite, like, playmaking wing that I thought a lot of people thought he could be. You know, I had I thought of this saying earlier today. Uh, as I was thinking about coming on the show, I was like, I want to say this saying because I know I'm going to talk about RJ. Um, I think that valuable role players get – overlooked probably a bit more than young players get praise for potential like mm-hmm. quote-unquote potential like there are a bunch of valuable role players like for example the perfect example for me is like Alex Caruso someone like that like he's a very valuable role player or even like a PJ Tucker who you know you look at the box score PJ Tucker's averaging seven points oh he is he's not a good player but then you actually watch the games and you're like okay Actually, if I have a championship team, I probably would prefer a Caruso who knows who has a role or a PJ Tucker who has a role of like being a KD stopper and a superstar stopper rather than a young, promising RJ Barrett type of player. Like there's no doubt the potential you take the potential long term, especially if you're a young team. But there's a reason why when LeBron goes to a new team, he trades the young players because in the grand scheme of things, when you're talking about winning a championship and winning potential is very overrated because that's not the present. That's not what they are now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, and that's the last thing I'll say as far as RJ goes, man. I mean, you look at at his numbers, his field goal percentage is essentially 40%, right? 4% worse than he was last year through 72 games. And essentially through 16 games as a Knicks fan, you're hoping it's equivalent to that, you know, what it was last year as far as his field goal percentage or higher than that so that he has room to kind of bottom out. It is not good when a player who is shooting the same amount as he was last year, 4.3 attempts a game as opposed to 14.7, is shooting 5% less through just 16 games. Comparatively to 72, that's a small sample. So um, I I think that, yeah, there – there's something to still be figured out for RJ. He's averaging basically, you know, in terms of his numbers, he's averaging like two points less a game right now, about the same amount of rebounds, 0.6 less assists, and the exact same amount of turnovers, 1.9. So, yeah, as far as RJ goes, man, 
I uh, I don't know. I don't. The jury really still is out on him, but it's like kind of how Aaron Gordon was with the Magic. Like, how long is the jury gonna be out? Like this mm-hmm. dude's this dude's not nineteen anymore, right? Mm-hmm. And and RJ is twenty one. It's his third season. Don't get me wrong. He still could have a moment where it all clicks for him. And it seemed like, like you said, the 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 potential of a of a young player. Um, you know, you see that right and and. And I'm sorry, my audio on my computer just like started going out of nowhere on like the ESPN box score. Um, but but as far as RJ goes, you know, you're thinking he's going to, oh, he scored 17, almost 18 a game this year. Like he's going to be a 20, maybe a 20 point per game score, regardless of who we bring in, because he's got to have, you know, confidence off the charts, all that stuff. I think it is mental for RJ as well. I think that it's uh, playing in New York is no small task. Uh, and, and dealing with the media is no small task, but I think RJ has enough time. He's not, you know, lost all of New York yet or anything as far as people supporting him. I think Definitely he's got not. time. Um, he's got time to, to figure it out, but, but he's going to need to start now. I yeah, love how tell- Joel said, um, anytime LeBron gets to a new, new team, he trades everybody <laughs> away. We all know that he's, you know, like the de facto GM for these teams, you know, that he goes to, but no, you made a great point, Joel. Teams definitely value potential more than they do role players and veterans. It's the reason our boy James Ennis isn't on an NBA roster right now. There's, there's no excuse for that, in my opinion. But, Joel, um, we're, we're wrapping up here a little bit, talking about the Knicks. Do you want to tell the, our listeners where they can find you guys, where they can find the podcast? Yeah, they can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Pick Aside Podcast, on Twitter at Pick Aside Pod, and YouTube. It's uh, Pick Aside as well. So across all the boards, you type in Pick Aside. Hopefully you'll find us. It's a orange brownish logo with the words pick aside and these guys release fat episodes like two and a half like the three just, hours just <laughs> thick thick episodes. yeah sometimes sometimes i just realize i just think about it and i'm like man we really talked for like two hours about that that's crazy <laughs> i, I don't yeah. want to even think about what your guys is like video export times are like that's oh. just just i i feel for kevin like just thinking about that but <laughs> joel man thank you for coming on talking about the Knicks, man your insight is always welcome appreciate your opinions on the orlando magic um i think i think the, are the knicks and the magic done for the year do they they play one more time one more game probably in amway yeah. amway uh or uh madison square garden south um i promise you i will not be at that game i refuse to put myself <laughs> through that again but but joel man really really appreciate you coming on and taking the time man all right thank you guys so much man it was an honor All right, guys, that was our conversation with Joel Moran. I hope you guys appreciated that. We really appreciate him coming on the show. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our friends at Manscaped, and then we will break down the Magic's loss against the Nets on Friday. All right, guys, this holiday season, I'm giving thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Do I tell my extended family that I have the Performance Package 4.0 from the Global Leaders and Below the Waist Grooming? Not to mention, it includes their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Gift yourself Manscaped or the man in your life who needs it. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with 20% off plus free shipping with the code 6. That's S-I-X-T-H by going to manscaped.com. And for the gifters out there, gift Manscaped to seal the deal with two free gifts from their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Gifting Manscaped is the ultimate hack to become the family favorite. Manscaped has been busy and just launched their refined body wash and two-in-one shampoo plus conditioner. Both feature the Manscaped signature scent and will help unlock your confidence this year. 
Your boys and body will be oh so fresh and so clean when you start off your self-care routine with the ultimate body wash, shampoo, and conditioner. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the code 6th at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code 6th, S-I-X-T-H, at manscaped.com. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Okay, Luke. Now let's break down this monstrosity of a loss uh, Friday in Brooklyn against the Nets. So first of all, no Kevin Durant for the Nets. Uh, we had a 17 uh, point first quarter for rookie Jalen Suggs. Very exciting. Shot 6 of 7 from the floor, 4 of 4 from deep in the first. The Magic score 41 first quarter points. They're up 16 after the first quarter. The Magic did start to get a little careless in the second quarter, committing 6 turnovers committing 18 fouls, putting James Harden at the line seven times, turned into a pattern the rest of the game. Uh, Magic up nine, 53-62 at the half. And then in the third quarter, the Magic just completely fell apart defensively, allowed Brooklyn to shoot almost 70% in the quarter. They shot 68.4%, Luke, while Orlando shot just 30.8%. A nine-point lead at half turned into a seven-point deficit heading into the fourth quarter. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, again, a couple of weeks ago when we lost to the Nets, was a huge part of it, was a huge part of it in this game on Friday. Had 11 fourth-quarter points and three offensive rebounds. Really punished the Magic and Franz Wagner. James Harden obviously switching a lot, trying to you know get different guys on him. Uh, we saw you know a little bit of, of Jalen Suggs on LaMarcus Aldridge. Didn't really go well. And then specifically late in the fourth quarter on Franz Wagner, uh, Wendell had a really rough night shooting the ball, which just is an understatement, uh, but only played three seconds in the entire fourth quarter when LaMarcus Aldridge was kind of going through this scoring spurt. Uh, and that was at the end when Cole Anthony intentionally missed the free throws at the end. They're trying to get a rebound. Um, to me, it really felt like a mistake not having him in the game. Um, you know, three seconds in the fourth quarter when you've got a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge just doing his thing. It really felt like we could have used him, especially LaMarcus is getting those offensive rebounds. It felt like a missed opportunity. Chuma Okiki really had it going as well. Fourth quarter, seven points in the first five minutes of the quarter. He subbed out with 6.41 to go. That was the end of his night. And then this was the most strange thing to me, Luke. We can talk, I guess, a couple of minutes about this if you want. Uh, Terrence Ross was essentially iced at the free throw line by the referees down three in this game with 11 seconds to go. Basically, James Harden fouls Terrence Ross on purpose, stepping on his shoe. So like the heel came out. Terrence is sitting there trying to untie the knot so he can put the shoe back on. And then the officials basically blow the whistle, call a review. Terrence is arguing with the ref saying, he stepped on my shoe. It's not my fault. I'm trying to put my shoe back on. I counted. They review this for three straight minutes with Secaucus. We get no explanation in terms of what the review was about or the um, the result of the review. Terrence goes back to the line after three minutes of waiting, misses the first free throw. So at this point, the teams are, are, are trading fouls. Um, Harden makes two free throws. Jalen scores. Orlando fouls Harden again. He misses the first free throw. So now we're down three with the ball. The Nets foul Cole intentionally to put him at the line. You know, with a few seconds to go, they don't want him to try to get a three up. But he misses the first one, or excuse me, misses he makes the first one, misses the second one on purpose. Um, the Nets come down with the rebound. Cole Anthony actually turns his ankle on this play, I believe. And the Magic lose 115 to 113. So, Luke, I wanted to spend a moment with you just to talk specifically about the refs. 
Magic fans, you know, have the tendency in in some of these types of losses to blame the refs. First of all, a game where you're up, um, I believe, as much as 19 in the second quarter. This is, and if you just look statistically at the like the team comparison, there's no reason the Magic should have lost this game. But Harden shot 20 free throws in this game. He shot one free throw up until the 4:57 mark in the second quarter, and then he shoots seven free throws in the second, six free throws in the third. Six free throws in the fourth. They bailed him out. He had a horrible shooting night. Seven of 25 from the floor. And then, Luke, this whole fiasco with icing Terrence Ross at the line. It just, it really felt like they got a lot of help from Secaucus and the referees in in winning this game. I, I hate to say it, but that's, I really feel that way. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm someone who I, I, I don't want to blame refs ever. Um, and and I'll, I'll go to say this. Terrence Ross should have hit that free throw, right? He goes six for seven. He should have hit the free throw. I mean, let's be honest. But it didn't help that he was quite literally, like you said, iced at the free throw line. And I I don't know. I mean, listen, I've got a bone to pick with the refs in Milwaukee and near the end of that game when Giannis was shooting a free throw too. So the, the refs and free throws for me aren't going, aren't mixing well here lately. I think that it, it this loss, there's no way around it. It sucked. But it's different from that Hawks game and the suck. The suck for this game <laughs> comes from being... The Magic had a 16-point lead. I don't care if if it's, you know, KD isn't playing or if Harden wasn't playing. I don't care if all their stars were out. The Magic up 16, we were feeling good. We said... We put up 41 points in the first quarter. This is a team that start to start the season, Jonathan, couldn't win a a first quarter or a, a half of basketball. So they finally put something together. Then you go on and you get outscored 28 to 21, 37 to 21. And in the fourth, you decide, oh, I don't want it to be too little too late. And you outscore them 30 to 25 in the fourth after your terrible third quarter performance. You cannot afford that third quarter performance, and I don't care who it is, right? I I I understand the refs played some part there, but but all in all, the net shot the literal same exact amount of free throws that Orlando did. You have that game. You're up 16. This is a game that you need them to that you need Orlando to win. Like this is a, this is a game that would have been huge for the morale of the team, much like that win against the Jazz, much like beating the Knicks at MSG. I mean, the Magic are able to put are able to compete with these really great teams because they're typically up for the task and they came out of the gates firing. So for them to lose that game was just so so frustrating. Um especially when you essentially outshoot them from three from percentage-wise and three-pointers made. You, you don't have them. You out rebound like, them. You have only two more turnovers than them. You only have 13 turnovers compared to your normal. Who knows what it is? Turnovers per game of the magic average. But I, I would venture to guess it's, it's 16 and a half or something like that. So you, you average just 13 turnovers. Usually if you were doing that, you're, you're able to, you know, win those games. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it, it is what it is, but it sucks. I mean, that, that was that, that loss really did hurt. Would have been really great to to win that one, especially with what the Bucks had coming for us the next night. I think the thing that really frustrated me the most about the referees is obviously like James Harden is always going to get you know those like ticky tack calls to go his way at some point in the night. 
it did feel like he was like bailed out because again shot 28 percent from the floor in this game um but luke I really think that Wendell not playing in that fourth quarter, and this is kind of like almost like a trend that we're seeing. And what's weird is it wasn't the second night of a back-to-back. Like certain games will just kind of inexplicably not see Wendell like in much in the second half or like in the fourth quarter. And I just feel so strongly that if Wendell is in this game to guard and to rebound against LaMarcus Aldridge, he doesn't have as big of a fourth quarter and those, you know, but all of those three offensive rebounds that he had all came at pretty opportune times. So, I mean, this is definitely a game that I feel like, you know, was, you know, came down to, you know, Jamal Mosley just not having Wendell in the game there. I, I, I like, I don't want to make it too big of a deal, but this is, you know, Greg Popovich not having Tim Duncan in, you know, at the end of, you know, what was that, you know, game six of the 2013 finals. And, Bosch gets the rebound, kicks it out to Ray Allen. Like, you're always going to kick yourself for not having him in the game there. And, um, yeah, I just don't understand how you don't have Wendell Carter in the game at, at this point. It was just really, really confusing to me. And the other thing is, this was Jalen Suggs' best game, you know, shooting the ball. You know, 21 points, again, you know, had the huge start to the first quarter. Doesn't get a shot attempt. I think it was, like, the next, like, 10 minutes which was, was kind of weird to see. But again, we've also seen that with Wendell getting hot and then just like really cooling off. But it was cool to see him, you know, you know, get so you know excited. But the biggest issue with the rest was that, you know, weird scenario with, with Terrence Ross. Like mm-hmm. David Steele and, and Jeff Turner are sitting right there and they have no idea what's going on. We don't get any kind of explanation. I guarantee you, if, if it's the Lakers playing the Nets or the Warriors playing the Nets, that does not happen. And it's just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, like just you know, disrespectful that, you know, you're sitting there and, you know, you do, the guy gets out of rhythm. You're right. He should have made the free throw, but it's just like, come on guys. Like just at least explain to us what's going on. Cause if not, you just look incompetent and you know, that's, um, you know, kind of the way that I viewed it, but yeah, you're right. Really, really sucky way, uh, to lose this game, especially, you know, when, uh, you have, you they're up 19 in the second quarter, 19, you're up 19 at any point during any game. You need to win that game. It's it's really yep. as simple as that. So, all right. We have another reason to complain about the refs in this Bucks game <laughs> from, from Saturday, second night of a back-to-back. So, no Cole Anthony in this game. I believe he sprained his ankle at the end of the Nets game. So, Gary Harris starts once again, um, you know, next to Jalen Suggs there. Uh, this was the second night of a back-to-back for both teams. Milwaukee played the Thunder the night before. Uh, the Magic shoot 36% to Milwaukee's 55% in the first quarter, get out-rebounded 15-9, and they trail by 12 after one. So we're like, okay, here comes another blowout. Second quarter, the bench did a great job of coming in and hitting shots. Uh, every time it felt like the Bucks really started to pull away, you know, R.J. Hampton, Chuma Okiki kind of kept Orlando within striking distance. Magic were still down 12 at the half, played the Bucks even in the second quarter. The third quarter, Luke, is where the wheels started to fall off. Orlando shoots 33% in the third, allowing the Bucks to shoot 50% while being out-rebounded 17-10. The Magic were down by 25 going into the fourth quarter. At this point, we're like, man, just end this game. We've got one more game against Milwaukee on Monday. Let's get this road trip over with. Let's get home. With 6.36 to go, Magic down 24. Mosley seemingly threw in the towel. I don't care what anyone says. He was giving up. He goes to a lineup of R.J. Hampton, Michael Mulder, Ignis Brasdakis, Mo Wagner, and Robin Lopez. In just about a minute and a half, down 24, Orlando cuts it to 18. Then Mike Budenholzer subs Giannis and Drew Holiday back in. 
The same magic group. Mosley does not go away from this group that's playing well. Credit to him. They cut the lead to 13 now with 3.56 to go in the game. Milwaukee brings Bobby Portis and Chris Middleton back into the game, like really looking to close things out. On an R.J. Hampton steal a few minutes later in a breakaway layup, the Magic cut the deficit to six with 2.05 to go. This is now the bench, the Magic bench, like all the starters are really getting crazy. And I'm like, what are we witnessing? Like this, mm-hmm. At some point, it seemed like the other shoe was going to drop. And it seemed like when Giannis and Drew Holiday came back into the game, they were coming in to kind of close things out. But shortly thereafter, you know, RJ makes that layup. They're down 6-205. The Cinderella story can't, like really came to an end. They just stopped hitting shots. Giannis gets a dunk, and the, and the game is basically over at that point. The Magic are not able to complete the comeback. They lose 108-117. to The only guys I feel are worthy of spotlighting in this game, RJ Hampton, 19 points. Uh, 6 of 12 from the floor, 5 of 9 from 3, Luke. And Michael Mulder coming in off the bench, 13 points in 16 minutes. Shot 5 of 12 from the floor, 3 of 9 from the 3-point line. And then Giannis freaking Antetokounmpo, 32 points, 20 rebounds in this game, Luke. Shot 50% from the floor. I can't tell you how many times I just threw my hands up and was like, what the hell are we supposed to do with this guy? What did you think of the Bucks game? The the first thing that sticks out, right? You know, you watch the game, you go find the box score as you do, and you're just looking down the team stats, right? You say, oh, 45% to 39% on field goals, not awful. Uh, 47% three-pointers, man, they couldn't miss. 37% free uh, three-point percentage for the Magic, respectable. Um, free throws, the Magic outshoot them in terms of percentage, but they shot 37, and the Magic shot 14. Oh, oh no, what do we have here? The Bucks 60 rebounds. <laughs> 60. 60 rebounds to Orlando's 39, Jonathan. What? What What is happening? Why like Giannis's 20 rebounds seemingly just just tilted the whole thing because the the Bucks out rebound by 21. Uh the Magic have more assists. The Magic have only one less steal, four less. Tur- the Magic had ten turnovers till Milwaukee's fourteen. Jonathan, ten, th- uh, ten. That's incre- that's incredible, especially for this team to have only ten turnovers and a loss where you were once down twenty nine. So uh, now here's the only other point I really have. Obviously, we will talk about R.J. Hampton and kind of what his performances mean for the team going forward. But what I wanted to talk about, I think there's two minutes left. Rolo's playing, which, by the way, he played 18 minutes, which shows you how not close this game was. Um, Rolo, Giannis is at the free throw line, shooting maybe his 80th of the game. I don't know. Um, and and Rolo is just y- yelling at, at guys on the team. Hey, you got him. You got him. Hey, I got him. Just talking, right? This is something I did in middle school, Jonathan. I was like, hey, you boxing out shooter or my boxing out shooter? And you just obnoxious for, for no reason. Rolo did that, and it was hilarious. This game's over, and the <laughs> and the ref lets Giannis shoot the free throw again. And then and then the best part, Jonathan, was Rolo telling everybody, hey, be quiet. Putting his hand, his fingers to his mouth. Hey, be quiet, guys. You you can't speak. You can't speak. Dude, that was so funny. But also so stupid. He's yelling down the to ref. the magic bench at the other end of the floor. 
<laughs> guys, guys, we can't we can't talk. He's a national treasure. He really is. Um, not giving me much from the productivity standpoint on the court. Standpoint on the court, that was probably the most valuable thing he's done for this team this year. Was that little act right there? That was hilarious. But the refs, man, if if that. Like you said, same thing, right? That the night before or the night was a night two nights before, does the same thing. If if, if the Lakers are playing or or the, another high caliber team, nobody gets treated like that. Yeah, and they just tell Robin Lopez like, "Hey, Yana, shoot it again, bud. Sorry, he was being so like essentially, loud." Essentially, essentially, like assess a technical foul and give him like, like a redo, like like as if as if we were playing golf. And and Giannis is up about the drive, and 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 they have to tell the crowd, "Hey guys, quiet down," because you're yelling during his backswing. That was the stupidest thing I have seen this year, and I've seen a lot of stupid things, whether it be stupid basketball, stupid refereeing. That was stupid, man. That that was ridiculous. It made for a hilarious clip from Rolo because he made the best of it, and he's a good sport. But I know that pissed them off. Well, somebody on Twitter like made a great point is. Whether or not that's a rule, first of all, I have no idea. Second of all, that is literally never called. I have never yeah. seen that called in my entire life. Never. And it's, it's, carried like le- it's called less than a carry, and, and carries barely get called. I've never seen that before. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand. And this has just been a theme with the Magic for years now, not getting – if you don't have a superstar on your team, you just do not get respect from the referees. Like, how many times do we see guys like – I don't know, Bradley Beal or or Devin Booker, just like tear the refs up one side, up, down the other. No technical foul call whatsoever. But if in the past a guy like Evan Fournier or Nikola Vucevic said anything to the refs, automatic technical foul. We saw it again and again and again. And this just like further cements the point that, you know, we just don't get the same respect that a lot of these other teams do from the officials. And um, I think it's just because we don't, we're not in a big market. We don't have star players. But my biggest issue with the refereeing, and this is not just with the Magic, this is across the league, is that the NBA, you know, every night or whatever, they the next day they release the two-minute report, basically going over, you know, the calls in the last two minutes of the game that were called correctly or that were called incorrectly. And it just doesn't seem like these refs are ever, like, really ever held accountable, at least not to the public, right? And I feel like that's a real issue in terms of, like, transparency because, Whatever you want to say, like officiating can definitely affect a game um, if the officiating is poor. And we've seen that in, you know, just a couple of instances this year. And I always say and have the philosophy that you should play well enough to not leave it in doubt. Like you've you've seen Remember the Titans, correct? Yep. Yep. The game where the refs are clearly trying to sway the game in the other team's favor to try to get um, head coach Boone, Denzel Washington's character, uh, fired because as soon as he loses the first game, they're going to use him as a scapegoat and they're, they're going to fire him. Then, the I forget the, the guy's name, but the, the, the guy that was the coach goes over to his players and says, leave no doubt that we are mm-hmm. winning this game and his team just goes out and dominates, right? That's how you should play the game. You should play the game in a way that the officiating cannot be a factor. If, if you yeah. do feel like something is fishy, you should play to a certain degree that that just can't be a factor. So mm-hmm. I hate blaming things on the refs. The Nets game was just really infuriating because of the Terrence thing, but this was just hilarious. And, and just like Robin making such a joke of how, like you said, stupid this was, was, was really hilarious. A couple of things that jumped out to me in the box score. 
for the Bucks. First of all, Bobby Portis, six of seven from three. What the hell, Bobby? <laughs> like, what did we do to you? And then Thanatis Antetokounmpo, my least favorite Antetokounmpo. We saw him a couple years ago, the Magic Bucks playing in the bubble, just being obnoxious in street clothes. Cheerleader. This guy is so extra. 14 minutes for this guy, one of three from the floor, one of two from the free throw line. Two rebounds, one assist in 14 minutes on the floor. If this guy's brother was not the MVP, he would not be in the league. That's all I've got to say about that. He he is so extra. Not in like he's annoying and and I not in the way that like good players are annoying. He's just a bad, annoying player. And if Giannis wasn't his brother, he definitely wouldn't be on the Bucks. He probably wouldn't be in the NBA. So I just don't like that guy. I, I, I had to get that off my chest. Luke, let's talk about RJ Hampton. Okay, Magic fans for you know it really the last you know few weeks. Um, it, it just seems like RJ's not getting enough playing time. He was as much as Michael Mulder looked great. Like RJ was the reason that this comeback was a thing and and, and started to spur the comeback again. Nineteen points in this game, six of twelve from the four, five of nine from three was just kind of doing it all for the Magic. And I feel like you know last week we talked about Gary Harris, we talked about Terrence Ross, the veteran struggling. I'm at the point now with like Terrence is like, all right, he's not playing well, but like every other or like every third game, Terrence at least gives us something. Like he'll give us like a 17, 18, 19 point game. Gary Harris is literally giving us nothing every single night. <laughs> and it's to the point where Gary should not be in the rotation. Uh, like as soon as Michael Carter Williams comes back, Gary should be getting less minutes than RJ Hampton. Right now, I'm just going to give you their per 36 numbers. So, uh, first of all, minutes. RJ's playing 18 minutes. Gary's playing 21. The last four games, Luke, RJ has played 14 minutes, 13 minutes, 9 minutes, and then last night he played 28 minutes only because he played like almost the entire fourth quarter. Okay? So I'm not I'm not going to you know credit him with like his minutes picking up. Before last night, if last night wasn't a blowout, RJ Hampton's numbers are just continually to decrease like over the last week and a half. Okay? Per 36... So I we went through this last year, folks. I don't need to hear that per 36 isn't a perfect stat. We know that. But it is a good tool if you're trying to see who deserves to play a little bit more and maybe who shouldn't. Gary Harris is averaging 8.6 points, 2.8 rebounds, 2.2 assists, 36% from the floor, and a whopping, Luke, a whopping 18.5% from the three-point line. RJ Hampton, on the other hand, in per 36, 15.5 points, 6.1 rebounds, 4.2 assists, 44% from the floor, 46.7% from the three-point line, Luke. How do you feel about RJ Hampton and the amount of minutes that Gary Harris is getting? Yeah, here's what I'll say. Last night, RJ played great. RJ RJ was leading the charge, right, in terms of that comeback with alongside Michael Mulder. Now... I think, I do think RJ absolutely deserves those minutes over Gary Harris. I think there's no question about it. He he's just more efficient. He's he's producing more. Last night he, I mean, he has a, a game that you know he you know like we said he you know the amount of minutes he played twenty eight minutes was five of nine from three. Obviously, that's a crazy percentage. He only shoots like two point five, two point six a game or something. Um, so my thing is he, he, yes, we will push that out of the way. He absolutely 
you know, should get more play time than Gary. Gary should play maybe twelve minutes a game. And and I think that he'll Gary should play maybe zero know. minutes a game. Well, there's an <laughs> argument for that as well. But but yeah, so give RJ more minutes there. Now, while I you know think RJ should get more minutes, I I need him to be more aggressive. This is a high flying, athletic player. I need him to be more aggressive and getting to the rim because and and you don't need to see anything. You just need to look at his free throw numbers. RJ averages uh, this year. And you chalk it up to minutes, right? Only 18 minutes a game. Averages 1.7 free throws a game. Last night, plays 28 minutes, gets to the free throw line, two for two from the free throw line. I I need him to just get to the line more. And I alluded to this earlier, saying that we would get to this, me talking about a player who definitely deserves more minutes. But I need more from, from RJ because last year, the end of the year, Jonathan, I thought RJ could be better than Cole. I thought RJ had a very good shot of this, but it sucks that it's kind of being stunted because Mosley's like in this weird, like, you know, veteran love affair phase with Gary Harris right now, just trying to figure it out. And it feels a little bit like uh like like Clifford being in love with MCW, but nothing compares to that love, so maybe I shouldn't compare that. Not even the love for but, our children. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so it feels like he's just trying to keep a veteran on the court, and he's just like, I need to keep Gary out there because we need a veteran presence. But that veteran presence sucks. Keep it in the locker room, and let him let him coach guys up from the locker room. Let him teach them how to win that way because he is not teaching these guys to win when he's on the court. That's for sure. So, yes, they really the end. The discussion ends there, right? Like. RJ definitely agrees, you know, deserves more minutes. And I would prefer he starts to get these minutes before, like, J.I. comes back just so that, like, he can get even more so that when J.I. comes back, he's in a rhythm and he's able to just fit in the lineup and he's able to just kind of get out of everybody's way, hit the open three, make the occasional drive and just, like, a spark plug play at the basket, um, get fouled and won, whatever. The type of role that RJ Hampton probably is going to be subjected to because there's just too many young guys on this team to expect that he's going to have the minutes to develop into like a, a great player. I think until like the trade deadline comes and goes, like I think the only clear path for RJ to get minutes right now is for Terrence and Gary both to be moved. Like either I think Gary at this point is like a buyout candidate. Terrence, right. you know, still has value. I think you could talk yourself into him. Oh, you know, he's just kind of might be a little bit disengaged, you know, not really a, a big focal part of, you know, the offense. If he goes to a contender, he'll re-engage, he'll defend at a high level because, you know, they'll be competitive and, you know, you'll have better players around him and he'll be able to get more scoring opportunities, whatever. At that point, like coming off the bench, we would think that Markell is back and you're not going to bench Cole. So like the the second unit, you know, uh, guards would be Jalen and RJ. Like I, I think that's probably the most viable route to him get playing time. Um but, like, right now, I just feel like RJ, like, you go back to the to the game against the Jazz, right? Like, RJ is a big part of that fourth quarter, like, hits the, the, the big three to basically ice mm-hmm. the game for the Magic. Like, that was, that was the dagger in that game. And then in this game, like, the whole reason the Magic have any kind of chance the last few minutes of the game um, is because of RJ Hampton. And 
spark plug. I, yeah, spark plug. I feel like he's done enough now that Mosley has to say, like, you know what? This kid, when his number is called upon, I'm not giving him a ton of minutes right now. But when I really need him, you know, uh, Rashad Phillips, who a guy that I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, but tweeted out that, you know, we call RJ 911 because when you call, he's going to pick up and he's there. And that's what we've seen out of RJ. You know, he's a guy that when asked and, and called upon to be ready, he's been ready, right? Now, is he still a young player that, you know, struggles with the turnovers and, you know, maybe he's playing a, a little bit too fast at times? Yes. Only way he's going to get past that, in my opinion, is to put him on the floor and let him learn and kind of, you know, go through those growing pains. And we traded for him last year, plays 26 games. He was playing 25 minutes a game, Luke. 11 points per game. Uh, 11, yeah, 11 points per game. Only shot 31.9% from three on 2.7 attempts. The same amount of attempts this year, he's shooting 46% from the three-point line. Now, the free throw percentage is kind of alarming. He's shooting 58% from the field, uh, from the free throw line, rather. But the low attempts is like, okay, he's just not getting in a rhythm at the free throw line. So I'm right there with you. I would like to see that kind of uptick, you know, his ability to get to the, you know, the rim and, and draw contact and get to the line because the shooting stroke, we've said this since summer league, looks a lot better and I think it would translate to the free throw line. I just think he's not getting enough attempts right now to, to really put a lot of um, you know weight into his free throw numbers. So, yeah, I, I just don't know what has gone wrong with Gary Harris. Um, I would love to go back and watch all of his three-point misses from this year because right now, again, shooting 18%. There is um, one instance, I believe it was last night, that he came off of this like screen like a curl, and I took the screenshot, I posted it to our Twitter his feet are pointed like towards the corner where the baseline and the sideline meet. Every shooter knows that when you come off of a screen like that, you want to square yourself with the rim. You want your toes pointing to the rim. And I would love to go back and watch all of his attempts this year and see if that's a real problem because the form doesn't look terrible, but if your feet aren't lined up and you don't have good balance, you're just not going to be a consistent three-point shooter. And Gary Harris never has been. You think at this point in his career he would like know these things that and he's just been so bad and I have no reason what like understanding why out of rotational players in the league we, we talked about you know this metric uh, I, I forget all the the formula that goes into it but he's ranked 319th out of 319 players Luke that ain't good yeah right well what I'll say the last thing I'll say about Gary Harris real quick before we wrap up is um the the thing that's alarming is I think that you said that that isn't necessarily true about his three-point shooting. That he's never been a, a good three-point shooter. 2016-17, he, he shot 42% One year. on four and a half attempts a game. Next year, 39.6 on okay. six attempts Two a game. Two years. So regardless, Jonathan, he has been there. He knows how to shoot the basketball. And I don't know what has happened to him, but it is just like the weirdest decline that has been like gradual and he just gets suckier and suckier as the years go on and call it age or whatever you want. But this guy, he's 27. He look, he is be, he is about to get the treatment, Jonathan, of a, of a 36 year old vet with the minutes that he's going to get on this decline. He's only playing 20 minutes a game. Uh, I mean, he, but in Denver, Jonathan on a good Denver team, averaging 10 a game in 19 games, uh, in 2020, 30.6 minutes a game, 27.7 the year before that, 31.8, 28.8, 34.4. He, 
he is on a rapid decline of minutes. And like I said, he is legitimately getting treated like he's 36 and a vet because he can't figure out to do something that he's already done before. That was five years ago, Luke. If I tell you you were good at something five years ago, guess what? You ain't good at it anymore. That's fine. He was 27 years old. That, that Yes, there is a severe disconnect between 23-year-old Gary Harris and 22 and 27-year-old Gary Harris. He has been there. He should know the mechanics. He should know about Like, there is something gravely wrong with Gary Harris right now. And and he needs to figure it out. I have no. I hope everything's okay with him because it it is scary how he looks. I just I don't have any explanation for it. Like I wasn't all that excited about the trade at the time. Like I have always thought Gary Harris is like a decent player, and you know he's being paid like a very good player. And like right now, like twenty one million dollars, and I wouldn't feel this way if RJ Hampton was getting like the same amount of minutes or like we can't have games like close games where Gary Harris is getting nine minutes. Uh, Excuse me. RJ Hampton is getting nine minutes like against the Nets. That was a close game. Like especially like the first half the magic were up. So at any time you're going to get a guy into the game, like get him in with a big lead and and RJ plays nine minutes. Like, I mean, I feel like a, a bigger conversation is probably going to come down the road about Mosley, but there are certain things that are just weird, like certain games, Wendell just not playing in the second half right. or like not playing in the fourth quarter of a close game. Really strange. I don't care if he was one for five from the floor at that point. You need his defense and you need his rebounding. You don't need him to score. All right, you've got other guys doing that. And then in a, a close game, R.J. Hampton getting nine minutes and 13 minutes the game before that and 14 minutes the game before that. Like a guy that you traded for and were really excited about. And basically there was no Aaron Gordon deal without RJ Hampton. And now all of a sudden this is a guy who's like struggling to get minutes some night. It just doesn't make any sense for me. And we're being like probably unfair to Gary Harris. Like we're being like borderline disrespectful. We're being disrespectful. I'll say that we are. You don't think we're being disrespectful. I think we're being disrespectful. I think it's absolutely okay. warranted. There's this a, is okay, but there's is, a difference. This, this guy has been ranked as the worst yeah. player in the He's league. He's been horrible on a lot of different statistics. Maybe there is something to you know the drop in role and and playing time and everything like that. But this is a guy who at the beginning of the year we counted on like this is going to be one of our dude bets. He was and... aver- He was averaging in Denver. Uh, let's see his final year nine point seven points a game on on thirty minutes. Right, not great, obviously. But you would think if you put him on a bad team, a guy that averages almost 10 points a game on a good team, on a bad team, you think he can at least give you 13 to 14. And he's just been abysmal. I mean, he has been, there is no other word for it. Gary, if you're listening, I hope you're not. But I if hope, you are, I really hope you're not. I see that guy. I hope at, you're not listening to Orlando Magic pre-game. Don't even come and be like, oh, I suck. <laughs> And then throw me in a dumpster. I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. Yeah. Uh, no, he'd probably miss throwing uh, me in a dumpster. Okay. <laughs> that's a that's a perfect opportunity for us to end the show here. So, uh, wow. I, I thought we couldn't get any more disrespectful, and then we just did, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, guys, the games uh, next week coming up Monday at Milwaukee. So tonight that game starts at eight o'clock. Wednesday the twenty fourth versus Charlotte seven o'clock the night before Thanksgiving, and then Friday, November 26th, at home versus Chicago, 
the return of Nikola Vucevic. Hopefully, he's been on the COVID list. Uh, today is his 10th day on that, so I think he's eligible to come off of that. He's got to do some uh, some cardio tests, I believe, to get back in the lineup, but really hoping he's in Orlando. That'd be great to see him. I'll be at that game. Again, that starts at 7 o'clock. And then Saturday at Cleveland, that game starts at 8 o'clock. Luke, um, how are you feeling this week? Where do we go? Um, let me let me real quick. Let me let me just take a quick look at here. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. I think. I think the Magic go one and three. I think that they. Uh, I think they pull one out in Cleveland to end, uh, the the week there. I'm right there with you. I think they they get that one Saturday um, at Cleveland. So we're both on board. Sexton's on that. out. You gotta you gotta win that game. Yeah, Sexton's out. Mobley's out. So. I mean, they're, they're kind of running like a, a, a skeleton crew. Mobley's only going to be out a few weeks, I think, but uh, Sexton is out for the year. So rip to my uh, my fantasy team. Young I've got a bunch of guys out right now. So, uh, But, guys, that's going to do it for this week. Appreciate you guys listening. As always, for Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. Guys are listening to The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See you. Thanks for listening to The Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.